1: Remember what you said, you return that I might live in my Father's
2: house. Pastors and leaders in the church are, they're anointed of God for that ministry. So we are instructed and warned, touch not my anointed and do my prophets no harm. So the reason for all of this, notice, go back to verse 10, is that they were self-willed. That's what Peter tells us, they were self-willed. That desire to live for self rather than to live for God, which is the total opposite of Christianity.
0: Selfish pursuits don't have any place in the kingdom of God. You'll experience the blessing and provision of God as you faithfully follow him. But that isn't the point of following him. When Jesus restores your heart, he begins replacing those selfish desires with a desire to live like him. That means serving others even when it costs you greatly. As Pastor Mike will remind us in today's message, Jesus paid the greatest price for our sake, and we're called to reflect that love in our world. Now, here's Pastor Mike in the book of 2 Peter chapter 2 as he begins his message, The Depravity of Man.
2: Second Peter chapter 2, verses 10-14 through 14. And especially those who walk according to the flesh in the lust of uncleanness and despise authority. They are presumptuous, self-willed, they are not afraid to speak evil of dignitaries, whereas angels, who are greater in power and might, do not bring a reviling accusation against them before the Lord. But these, like natural brute beasts, made to be caught and destroyed, speak evil of the things they do not understand and will utterly perish in their own corruption and will receive the wages of unrighteousness as those who counted pleasure to carouse in the daytime. They are spots and blemishes, carousing in their own deceptions while they feast with you, having eyes full of adultery and that cannot cease from sin, enticing unstable souls, They have a heart trained in covetous practices and are accursed children. Now let's back up a little bit. Peter here in this section of his epistle has been speaking of the sure judgment which would fall upon these false uh, teachers who were seeking to destroy the faith of the saints. And they were doing that by advancing or seeking to advance destructive doctrines also referred to as damnable heresies. Notice there in verse 1 of chapter 2. And they did that in attacking Christ, that is, in who Christ was, and what he had come to accomplish. But they also attacked the necessity of holiness. So, therefore, Peter, here in this section, continues to go on the offense, and by exposing their true uh, character. And what was their true character? Well, these false teachers, their character was depraved. And in doing so, here, Peter paints a picture of those who are outside of the body of Christ forming our subject this evening. And listen, what I'm about to share with you this evening are truly hard sayings. It is not my intention to offend anyone who is not a believer, who is not a Christian, who is outside of the body of Christ, but rather to warn them. So anyway, with that said, Peter uh, continues, as I've just mentioned, to go on the offense, and he exposes their true uh, character. And again, their true character was a depraved character. So the first thing the first thing that he does uh, to describe them, notice in verse 10, he says of them, who walk after the flesh in the lust of unclean lips. In other words, their God was lust and their guide was the flesh. And think about it, what a losing combination that was. It will only bring heartache, uh, destruction, because they're putting their life in jeopardy, and they're taking dangerous uh, chances. Now, the reference to the flesh here refers to the depraved nature of man. You know, Paul puts it this way in the book of Romans in chapter seven and verse 18. He says, for I know in me that is in my flesh dwells no good thing. So in the flesh, I cannot obey God. I cannot please God as long as I'm in the flesh, walking after the things of the flesh. Let me give you another cross-reference in the book of Romans, in chapter 8, verse 8. There we are told also by Paul that they that are in the flesh cannot please God. So as long as someone refuses to submit to Christ and be saved, he is still in the flesh. He is controlled by the flesh, dominated by the flesh. And in that state, as I mentioned, it's impossible to have favor and to please God. So the truth is, without Jesus, man is unable to control or restrain themselves. Dominated by the flesh, you're just an easy prey for lust and uncleanness. Now, uh, the problem is the heart. And we've talked about this before in one of our previous studies, because all of sin begins and originates and comes forth from the heart. So the problem is the heart. Let me give you a cross-reference. In the book of Proverbs, in chapter 6, and verse 18, there Solomon puts it this way. It's the heart that devises wicked imaginations. So therefore, we need to come to Christ and ask him to give us a new heart, to have our hearts washed. Peter goes on, notice there in verse 10, he then declares that they despise authority or government. Uh, And we're not talking about civil government here, we're rather talking about the government of God. In other words, they despise the idea of having God rule over them. And notice also, as a result, go back to verse 10, they're presumptuous, or they are daring. That is, daring in their ridicule of Christ's lordship, and again, what he uh, had accomplished, what his ministry was all about. And they were also fearless in their accusations of God's uh, servants. They were spreading lies. Notice in verse 10, they were not afraid to speak evil of uh, dignitaries. And uh, and notice there in, in verse 11, we are told that the angels uh, wouldn't even uh, say a, a bad word against any of God's servants. It says, whereas angels who are greater in power and might than any of us, certainly these uh, false teachers, do not bring a reviling accusation against them before uh, the Lord, that is, uh, the pastors of the churches, the leaders of the uh, churches. So I guess what we're to take away from this is to be very careful about what we say about other individuals, particularly those in leadership positions. Now, in the 105th Psalm, in verse 15, there we are exhorted, touch not my anointed, and that's what uh, pastors and leaders in the church are. They're anointed of God for that ministry. So we are instructed and warned, touch not my anointed and do my prophets no harm. So the reason for all of this, notice go back to verse 10, is that they were self-willed. That's what Peter tells us. They were self-willed. That desire to live for self rather than to live for a God, which is the total opposite of Christianity, Right? We are to live for Christ. We are to put him first. So here's the question. How do we know someone is a Christian? Well, it's obvious they are dead to self and they are mastered by Christ. So the self-life is a dead giveaway. Now, what's the motivation for all of this? What's the motivation for discipleship? You know, that we would uh, uh, deny ourselves and pick up the cross and follow uh, Jesus, well, here's the motivation. The moment one, uh, one individual commits themselves to Jesus as Savior and allows him to take control over his or her life, the blessedness is the result. God begins to take control and blesses that individual, their lives. So here's a, uh, an encouraging word for all of us, a solution to your problem. If your life is in a tailspin, what should we do? Well, hand the controls over to uh, Jesus. Give up your feeble uh, fumbling and ask him to come into your life and take control. And if you do, you can be assured that he will. In the book of Revelation, in chapter 3, in verse 20, there Jesus is pictured as standing at the door of our heart. And he says, Behold, I stand at that door and not. And if anyone will hear my voice and open the door. I will come in and dine with him and he with me. So if you call upon the name of the Lord and ask him to come in, you can be sure that he uh, will. Now let's go back to verse 12 of our text. Uh, Let's read it one more time. But these like natural brute beasts, and again, remember now, he's describing these false uh, teachers, but would also apply to anyone who's outside of the body of Christ. But these, like natural brute beasts, made to be caught and destroyed, speak evil of the things they do not understand, and will utterly perish in their own uh, corruption. So notice the way that he uh, describes them, as natural brute beasts. They're like animals. They're living wholly for the flesh. And isn't that true about animals? I mean, think about a, a dog, for example. They're all about the flesh. All they want to do is eat. Uh, All they want is their uh, head to be patted, their belly to be uh, rubbed, right? They're just living for the flesh. They're born to die without any hope beyond the grave. And they notice here also, and they understand not. In other words, they're void of spiritual wisdom and perception. And that's exactly what these false teachers, those that are outside of the body of Christ, are like. And here's the problem. Notice what Peter tells us. They do not know the truth, because, and the reason why they did not know the truth is because they wouldn't submit to the uh, truth. Listen, remember, they were in the body. They were among the believers. They heard the teaching of the Word of God. So what should we take away from this? Well, we need to be very careful, because think about it. Week in and week out, we sit in our uh, fellowship uh, hall and are instructed in the Word of God. We are taught the Word of God. Uh, The gospel is being proclaimed, right? And uh, so how do we respond? Do we receive it? Or do we uh, neglect applying what we've heard to our own lives? These fellows heard the plan of salvation, but they chose to close their minds to God. And notice what was the result? Well, in verse 12, they perish in their own uh, corruption. And then notice also in verse 13, we are told, and they will receive the wages of unrighteousness. Not the wages of righteousness, but rather the wages of unrighteousness. Here's a couple of cross-references for you. Isaiah chapter 3, verse 11. Woe unto the wicked, it shall be ill with him, for the reward of his hands shall be given him. Let me give you another uh, cross-reference from the Old Testament. In the book of Psalms, in chapter 9 and verse 17. There we are told, the wicked shall be turned into hell. Hey, listen, have any of you seen those TV uh, commercials uh, whereby Ron Reagan, and uh, who is the son of Ronald Reagan, probably Ronald Reagan is turning over in his grave, and uh, you know, we met Ron Reagan because he used to dance for the Joffrey Ballet, and we used to Uh, Have our church located there at City Center, where the Jeffrey Ballet uh, practiced, and they had their offices. So we would run into uh, Ron Reagan uh, pretty frequently uh, for about a year back in the of the day. But have you seen that TV commercial, Uh, Ron Reagan, who is the uh, I guess the leader in the uh, Freedom from Religion organization? which is made up of atheists and agnostics. And in that commercial, he says, I'm not afraid to burn in hell. Listen, Ron Reagan, be assured, if you knew what hell was like, you would repent in seconds. It's eternal torment. Jesus said in Matthew's Gospel in chapter 25 and verse 41, Depart from me, you accursed, into the everlasting fire prepared for the devil and his angels. Now, after saying that, someone may be thinking, I don't believe in a God of love who would send anyone to hell. And if that's your position, you know what? You would be absolutely correct. And I, I would agree with that statement as well. It isn't God who sends people to hell. It's a choice that people make. In 2 Peter in chapter 3, verse 9, There we are told the Lord is not slack concerning his promise, as some count slackness, but is long-suffering towards us, not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. Listen, Jesus came to save us from hell's horror and torment. So don't be confused about that. The question that you need to ask yourself is this, are you a child of God? Have you come to Christ and believed upon Him? Believing upon Him, that's a decision that will alter your life and where you spend eternity. Now, let's go back to our text. Notice also there in verse 13, that we are told that they are like spots and blemishes, sporting themselves with their own deceptions while they feast with uh, you. Remember, they were members of that congregation. They weren't true members They were true Christians, they were true believers, but nevertheless, they were among the true uh, members of the body of Christ. They were hypocrites, hypocrites hypocrites who had taken the name of Christ. They worshipped alongside of the church, but were deceiving themselves. You know, Jesus refers to them in Matthew's Gospel in chapter 15. He says, in vain they worship me, teaching as doctrines the commandments of men, not the commandments of God, but rather the commandments of men. You know, I wonder, are there any spots and blemishes within our own congregation at Harvest Christian Fellowship? Are there any that are guilty of hypocrisy, the hypocrisy that God hates? Well, anyway, I hope not. But listen, following our Lord is more than just attending a church, Uh, It's more than our routine habits of prayer and Bible study, although those things are very important. But it's rather a life that we lead, a life of love, honesty, obedience, and compassion towards uh, others. You know, it's sad, but so true, that most of the criticism coming from unbelievers are not the result of their observation of sincere believers in Christ, but rather of uh, hypocrites. You know, there's this story uh, that C.H. Spurgeon uh, used to uh, like to tell, and it was about this uh, fellow who owned this uh, uh, fruit orchard, and he would say that this fruit grower often invited a friend to visit his orchard to taste his apples. But regardless of the many invitations that were given, The friend did not come. At last the fruit grower said, I suppose you think my apples are no good, so you won't even come and try them. Well, to tell you the truth, said his friend, I have tasted them. As I went along the road, I picked one up that fell over the fence, and I have never tasted anything so sour in all of my life. After eating that apple, I have decided I don't want any more of your fruit. Oh, replied The fruit grower. Those apples around the outside of the orchard are for the special benefit of the children. I went miles to select the sourest kind of apples to plant all around the orchard so the children might give them up as not worthwhile stealing. But if you will come inside the orchard, you will find that we grow a very different quality there, sweet as honey. And of course, he's referring to true Christians who are light and sweet as honey. Listen, certainly we have hypocrites within the uh, church, and this fact cannot be denied. And as long as we are on this side of heaven, we shall always have hypocrites within the church. But if you are staying away from fellowship with the people of God, because of the hypocrites, may I invite you, all of the non Christians who may be listening to this broadcast, unbelievers, those of you who are kind of sitting on the fence, uh, you may have been entertaining the thought of coming to church or becoming a Christian. May I invite you to come on into the inside, and you will see scores of men and women who truly love God, and who are by his grace seeking to give him first place in their lives. So, Peter then goes on, let's go back to our text now, and gives us more characteristics uh, that mark these imposters. Notice there in verse 14, he says of them, they have eyes full of adultery, and may God control our eyes. Give us help with that. You know, in the book of Job, in chapter 31, in verse 1, there Job uh, declares, I made a covenant with my eyes. This was a commitment that he made. Why then should I think upon a maid or a a woman? And so that's something that I think we should regularly pray about, especially uh, men. You know, God control our eyes, the things that we choose uh, to look uh, at. The unredeemed have no control over their odds, as far as lust is concerned. And then notice also, we are told concerning these uh, uh, false teachers, those outside of the body of Christ, those who have never made a decision for Christ, they cannot cease from sin. You see, the sinful flesh of mankind can desire nothing else than evil. He goes on to declare of them, they're enticing unstable souls. In other words, the sinner is never content. He's never satisfied by his own lustful desires and given himself over to those things. And also he seeks to drag others into his sin and guilt. Noted he's enticing other people uh, to follow him. Well, finally, Peter brings us back to their heart, which again, as I mentioned before, is the real problem. A heart That they have trained according to our text or exercised with covetous practices. Notice there in verse 14. So, unless they come to Christ and are given a new heart, they're condemned. Notice he refers to them as cursed children. Gang, let me ask you this question How is your heart? If you need a new heart, just come to Jesus. Ezekiel chapter 36 and verse 26. There we are told, a new heart also will I give you. A new spirit will I put within you. So listen, if you're in need of those things, cry out to the Lord. So if you need a new heart today, God is ready and willing to answer your prayer if you will call on the Lord Jesus Christ for salvation.
1: In my Father. There's a place for me in my Father's house Where I long to be,
0: oh, my... We're so glad you joined us today for In My Father's House. Pastor Mike has been taking you through the book of 2 Peter, a New Testament letter that speaks much about holiness. As the one who called you is holy, you also are to be holy in all your conduct. In a world full of temptations, it can be difficult to live a holy, set-apart life, to live a holy life of only good and pure things. But if you put your hope in the holy things, the worldly things become meaningless and empty. Where are you seeking true purpose? Is it in the world or in the Word? The world is sure to let you down, but God's Word is sure. We'd love to connect and pray with you as you grow in your relationship with Jesus. Call us at 212-247-1877. Again, that's 212-247-1877. If you're unsure what knowing Jesus means, visit HarvestNYC.org and look under Resources for How to Know God. You can also find more messages from Pastor Mike on our website, Again, that's harvestnyc.org or find the podcast on your favorite podcast app. Be sure to subscribe. That way you'll be notified every time we post a new edition of the show. Search for In My Father's House with Mike Benizio. If you're in Midtown Manhattan, we'd love for you to come visit us this Sunday at Harvest Christian Fellowship. There's easy access from Port Authority on 42nd and Penn Station on 34th. Find service times on our website. Well, that's it for today, but be sure to join us again right here on In My Father's House.